Well, we're in a series of messages that we're calling the Wilderness Series. And we're looking at a number of biblical figures who walk through, trek through uh, uh, different wildernesses uh, in the Bible. And has it been helpful? Yeah, I mean, it's, from what people are saying, it's been very, very helpful. And uh, it's been helpful for me too. It's just been really incredible. And I've been able to let you in on some of my struggles. And uh, so it's been free therapy. So thank you on behalf of my insurance company. Thank you uh, for, for that and uh, just letting me share. And uh, now here's what wilderness is in the Bible. First of all, it's this geographical location. It's a place that you could find on a map. And then it's also a distinct season of life. You could plot it out in your, your life story. And so as a geographical location, uh, it, it's, it's known as the wilderness in the Bible, inhospitable, uh, untamed, disoriented, challenging terrain for people to, to walk through, and rarely do people actually live there. Uh, and, and there's a number of biblical figures through the, through the Bible that walk through it, and, and to name a few, and some of them we've already looked at, and others we will look at in the weeks ahead. There's Hagar, there's Joseph, there's Moses, there's the whole people of Israel, the Israelite exiles, there's David, Elijah, John the baptizer, Jesus, of course, we'll see that next week, and then there's the apostle Paul, and they walk through some really tough seasons, some some tough places. Uh, The Sinai Peninsula is one of the common wildernesses uh, just north of, of Egypt, south of, of Israel. There's the Judean wilderness as well, and then there's the Arabian wilderness. And, and, and throughout the Bible, we see people wandering through these wildernesses and, and their locations, but they're also uh, seasons of people's life, a season where your, your heart kind of feels like that. Your heart kind of feels like it's, it's a wilderness. It's disorienting, it's confusing, it's chaotic, it's, it's uncertain, things are maybe unclear for you. It's what we would call the wilderness of the soul. And I think it's been helpful, but it's also kind of been heavy. Uh, the past few weeks we've been going through this. We've been looking at depression. We've been looking at anxiety. We've been looking at insecurity, negative thinking, pain. It's been really, really heavy. And so this week I'm going to lighten up a bit. Is that okay? We'll lighten up a bit this week. And uh, I'm going to call this sermon, Enjoy the View. Enjoy the View. So this week we're going we're gonna to lighten up. We're going to enjoy the view. And I hope it will be helpful for you. Because the truth is, if you will allow your heart to, to go there, there can be an element of enjoyment. There can be an element of adventure in the wilderness. And in fact, today, some people will intentionally take a vacation or, or, or travel to the wilderness for adventure. And so they might spend tons of money and buy all kinds of equipment to go to some exotic place, paying a fortune to to go on this crazy hike or to to hike Mount Everest. Or you don't have to go that far today. This afternoon even, if you'd like to, you can go downtown in in Boston. You can participate in Escape the Room. Have you heard of this? You can go to Escape the Room and you can pay $280 and they'll lock you in a room for an hour. And you got to figure out how to, does that sound fun? I don't know, it's crazy. And so that's, that's, that's one thing. And then there's reality television where they'll, they'll take people and they'll drop them into a wilderness and they have to figure out how to survive and that's entertaining for us. And, and some of us maybe even find that desirable. We'd like to go there. Or other people will pay lots of money to go uh, to an amusement park because they, they want to get scared out of their minds. And so what happens is today in, in a tamed and civilized society, there's this element of a desire for the wilderness. We would even pay some of us to experience it. 
Yet for, for all of us, we go through wilderness seasons for free. And so let's not miss out on the value of what we have when we experience wilderness seasons. And so let's look together at, at 2 Corinthians chapter 11. We'll go 24 through 28. We have Bibles around the room if you need one. If you don't have one at home, please take that home. Uh, we also have the app. You can pull up the Bible on our app or we'll put it on the screen for you here. 2 Corinthians 11. Now I have a number of go-to passages that I will use uh, to reignite in my sons just an excitement about the word because sometimes the scriptures get a little bit stale for them and so uh, I have the boy passages that my boys really love and then my daughter always wants to know where the princesses are in the Bible but uh, my boys love the action. So things like like, like King David, um, you know, took out a, a lion, he took out a bear, he took out Goliath. In fact, I have a friend who, who spent a, a summer in Alaska, and he would uh, be on this reserve where they had all kinds of wild game, and extremely wealthy men would fly in their private planes there, land, and hunt wild game. And essentially, my friend was the caddy, right? So instead of golf clubs, he was handing them rifles, and they were handing him Benjamins. And, and so it was a really cool job for him. David got that for free, for survival. And so my boys love those, those stories about David and the bear, David and the lion, David and Goliath. My boys also love the story of King Eglon. You know this story, some of you, uh, in, in the Bible. It's really cool for them because he's the guy who was thought to be relieving himself, but in fact he had been stabbed and was dead because of Ehud. And uh, my boys love it because it includes really their, their two favorite topics, uh, battles and poop. And so that story, they love that one. And then this other passage that I will use to get them really excited about the scripture is, is here in 2 Corinthians 11, 24 through 28. And uh, they, they love this. And so just check this out. Watch how action-packed this is, uh, the Apostle Paul describing uh, his, his scenario uh, verse 24, it says, Five times I received at the hands of the Jews forty lashes, less one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and day I was adrift at sea on frequent journeys in danger from rivers, danger from robbers, danger from my own people, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers in toil and in hardship, through many a sleepless night in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure. And apart from other things, there is the daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all the churches. He's speaking to all the churches that he started. Now, you see why my boys love this passage? This is, this is cool for them. The great missionary, the Apostle Paul, went all over the, the known world at the time, all over the map, to get the message of Jesus out, specifically into the big cities. But en route between the big cities, all kinds of crazy things happen. And so we've already touched on, in this series, the wilderness of the Apostle Paul, just a few days being blind at his conversion. We touched on his wilderness experience shortly thereafter. He started a ministry, and it just was explosive and just amazing, and God started doing stuff but God said hold on we're going to time out for three years and you're going to go to the Arabian wilderness and he goes there and that's where he gets his amazing understanding of the gospel so that he can write books like Romans and Colossians and Galatians and Ephesians it's just incredible but there are other wilderness experiences that we see here as well and so some of them five times he says I was I was last 40 less one so it was kind of this play on how, how we're going to be compassionate and not give you 40 we'll give you 39 instead we'll, 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 we'll spare you that so 195 
lashes on the back. You can imagine scars on Paul's back. He says, three times I was beaten with rods. Can you imagine? Beaten with rods. He says, I was stoned. Not referring to substance abuse. I was stoned as in they took me outside the city and threw rocks and tried to to kill me, left me for dead. Journeys. I was on all these uh, travels throughout southern Europe. He says, I was in danger from rivers. I was in danger from being mugged by robbers. I was in danger from native people in the lands that I would go to. I was in, in danger from my own people. I was in danger in the wilderness and I was dangered in, in civilized places in the, in the city. I was uh, even endangered by those people who I thought were my friends and they be- betrayed me. They were deceiving me. I was in toil. I was in hardship. I had many sleepless nights where I was just tossing and turning in my bed. Anybody been there? You just nothing more can, I mean, that'll make you crazy. And, and he says, I, was, I couldn't sleep. I was without food. I was hungry. I was thirsty. Exposure to the elements. Uh, it, was, it was intense. And on top of all of that, I was anxious. That's that holy kind of anxiety, this righteous anxiety where I just longed for the, the health of the churches that I, I started. He had a life of wilderness. And, and of course, my boys hear that and they hear, man, that is so cool. Voyages at sea. He was shipwrecked at times, rivers, fighting off the robbers, the, the bad guys, angry natives. But many of us, maybe we relate more with the sleepless nights. Maybe many of us relate with the loss of friends. Maybe many of us relate more with anxiety or, or even just the confusion of where is God at in all of this? How could God be good and allow this stuff to happen? the pain, the the suffering. And yet this list that we just read, it it spans the entire life of the Apostle Paul after he came to faith in Jesus. And and still, this guy in his writings talks more about joy and about peace and about praise than any other New Testament writer, despite all the stuff that he's gone through. Now, in no way do I ever want to minimize the pain that you're feeling. In no way do I ever want to minimize the struggles that that you go through. But here's what I want to ask you this morning. What I want to ask you is this. Is there opportunity for you to smile in the wilderness? Is there opportunity for you to laugh in the wilderness? Is there opportunity for you to praise in the wilderness? Is there opportunity for you to love in the wilderness? Because these things make an absolute huge, huge difference in, in, in your life. And if you can find some adventure and some enjoyment and some good and some love in the wilderness, it, it changes things. It changes your, survivor, your survivability rate in the wilderness. I'll never forget my very first roller coaster that I went on. My dad took me, I was just a young boy, my dad took me to the scream machine. And he talked this thing up, this roller coaster is going to be amazing. And I was, I, I, mean, I remember standing in line for probably at least an hour in the dead of summer heat. And uh, it was hot. And I remember just so anxious, so worked up about getting on the scream machine. I remember what, you know, the, the chains and doing the weave for a long time. And with every turn kind of scanning and seeing if there was a uh, stanchion that I could slide under, my, my easy escape routes I could get under without out many people seeing me so that I could run away. And, and yet it didn't happen. I got closer and closer and closer until finally 
I get to sit down on the screen machine, and the guy comes by, and he cranks the bar on, and he walks by, and I didn't want anybody to know that I was scared, but I pushed it down even tighter, and then he goes, and he gets on his microphone, says a few words, and we're off, and we go, and then you know how it goes, click, 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 I don't know that I'd ever been more anxious up to that point in my little life than that moment right there. I mean, just the anxiety of click, 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 click. And then it happened. We get to the crest right before the big drop and the clicking stopped. And for just a couple of seconds, the breeze hit my face and I was able to look around and see the view of the whole city I could see the, the river down below. It was pretty cool. And then, ah! And then you go back up the hill. And there's a moment again, and then it curves. And then you, ah! You know how it goes? And, I, and you know, I think that a roller coaster is a perfect example of our wilderness experiences. And that life circumstances are going to be this. Up and down and up and down. And our emotions, you can't trust your emotions. You trust truth. Our emotions are going to be up and down and up and down and up and down. And However, in the midst of the, the chaos, we get to, to peaks every now and again. And there's a silence just every now and again. There, there, there's a calm. And we have an opportunity to, for maybe just a split second for some of you to enjoy the, the view. We get those moments. We're, we're above the chaos and, and and we can see some beauty around us it's those moments where we can maybe even look down for just a, a moment with clear thinking and we can see the rest of the coaster and we can see the end over that I can see it's it's going to be over right we get that eternal perspective and we can see that this life is short and then all the pain that I'm feeling is, is it's going to be over and I'm going to be with him forever we get that moment and then Ah, again, and it gets, it gets crazy. And, and we, we see this perspective as we read the story of Paul and his, his wild, wild ride that he's on. And there's all kinds of takeaways we can get from Paul and his perspective. I just want to give you three this morning. Uh, if you're a note taker, just, just three from, from Paul's life. And if you were to trace these wildernesses that we see and we've read already uh, with his writings in the New Testament, you would see just some practices or some, some principles that he lived by that enabled him to enjoy the view, even if for just a moment every now and again, and, and really even enable him to, in a sense, enjoy the adventure and enjoy parts of the ride. And so here's the first principle, if you want to write this down, and that is that perspective is powerful. We've already talked in the series about, about the power of panning out and how we need to do that. And if you feel like you can't do that, you can't pan out of your own circumstances and see maybe what God's up to, you can at least do that with the Bible. And you can read stories. You can pan out of other people's stories and see how God used what happened to Joseph for his good, what happened to David for his good, what happens to Hagar for the blessing of, of her people, and on and on and on and on. And so perspective is powerful and I'm telling you if you can get some perspective it will make a huge difference I recently watched this documentary on on Netflix and I just love documentaries and and it was on rock climbing in Yosemite National Park and these climbers would scale El Capitan so Yosemite El Capitan Mac people you putting it together that's where they got it from and so uh, it was the most daunting climb you could possibly imagine I mean check out this photo I want to show you this this photo that's unbelievable. I mean, that is, I don't even know how you, you know, 
get a little nub to put your, your fingernail on. And, and it's, it's just unbelievable. And, and yet they're talking about their experiences and they're talking about how challenging it was and everything that they did to get up to the top of, of the mountain. And yet they, they said that every now and again they could just pause and take in the view. And I'm thinking, really? Because <laughs> I'm, I'm doing everything <laughs> just to get as flat up against that wall. And then you're looking over your shoulder, you're taking in the view. It's un- just unbelievable, right? Uh, let me ask you, are you consumed with the rock face that is two inches from your face that you just can't, for just a moment, try to take in the view? Let me give you an example of how the Apostle Paul does this. And so we'll put this one on the screen. First Corinthians chapter 16, verse 9. Here, watch what he says here. This is really, he says, for a wide door for effective work has opened to me, and there are many adversaries. So he's talking about a ministry opportunity that he has to the city of Ephesus, to the Ephesians. And do you see his perspective there? It's kind of cool to see his perspective. It's going to be hard. There are going to be many adversaries. I've got a lot of people who are opposed to me in this city. It's emotionally draining, you can imagine. It's challenging. I feel like people don't love me, don't care for me there. Does he stop there, though? He doesn't even start there. I mean, he starts with, wow, what a tremendous opportunity that God has given to me. A wide door is open for effective ministry. And then, yet, there will be pain. But God's going to use it. Do you allow your mind to go there? Like if you were in Paul's situation that he's facing with Ephesus, would you even acknowledge the wide door for effective ministry? Or would you simply see pain? Don't want to go there. Don't want that. Let me get out of this. Let me escape this. Let me jump this. Let me get away from this as fast as possible. And it's not simply, hey, ignore the pain. Be happy. No, it's be aware of both. Uh, you see how Paul does that? He's, he's aware of both. You know, we can't stand the people, you know, who are everything's always great. How are you doing? Great, awesome, life is blessed. Hashtag blessed. I mean, they just, we, the, those people. No, Paul is realistic and optimistic at the same time, right? He's hanging on for dear life and enjoying the view somehow at, at the same time. Here's what we need to do. Maybe you want to write this one down too. Here's what, here's what we need to do. We need to train our eyes to see God's grace. Train our eyes to see God's grace in whatever circumstance we find ourselves in. And if you can't see God's beauty and God's grace and his graciousness in the midst of the wilderness, it's hard to keep going, isn't it? As Kevin said, it's hard to keep going if you don't know the why behind the wilderness. But if you can can capture and get some snapshots of God's beauty and his graciousness to you in the midst of the wilderness, if you can just get some moments of clarity of mind, you'll actually be able to smile in the wilderness. It's that peace that passes all understanding. Like, how could the guy on the cliff there be enjoying the view? And people can look at you and say, how can you have peace? And you get to say, it's because of Jesus. Because I, I look around and I see that he's been good and he's been faithful. He's been gracious. And this life is, is, is really, really short. And maybe when you get those moments, you want to record the records of God's grace. Maybe it's write it down. 
I do that. I told you last week I do that. I write it down so that when I'm at a place where I can't see and I'm in the fog, I go back and say, oh no, God is faithful. Or maybe you want to tell somebody stories of how, that's why we need to be constantly talking and praising and telling people about what God's doing so that when you get in a funk, they can say, no, remember, remember, remember when you're talking about how faithful God is and how good God is and they can bring that back and they can hold you to that. And so we record, we record, maybe you mark it down in your Bible. This passage has been changing my life. It's amazing. And you mark it. Whatever you need to do to record it. You ever heard the phrase, to the trained eye? Well, this, this would be seen only by the trained eye, right? Only by the, the trained eye could, could they see this. Listen, Christians, when it comes to God's grace, we are the trained eye. <laughs> We're the people who by the, 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 the power of the Holy Spirit, we have been able to, to see the goodness and the grace of God, our need for Him and how gracious He has been. He has given us eyes to see and to receive His grace. And so to the trained eye, that would be you. You've got to learn to use it when it's hard for other people to see. You're able to see God is good. God is gracious. I can see His faithfulness. Even in the midst of my pain, I can see the, the sunrise. I can, I can go on a run and see in the, the trees and creation that God is good and faithful. I can enjoy my children. I, I've been in seasons of my life where everything else was crumbling all around me. It felt like, and it wasn't, but it felt like it. And yet I could take my kids and just hold them. And it was something sweet about that. Or just cuddle up with them in their bed at night. And there was just something sweet about that. Or embrace your, your, your spouse or eat a good steak or have some good wine or read a book or read the book or laugh with some some friends and just just take it in for just a moment and and just enjoy God's common grace to you and his his special grace that is what Jesus has done for you because if you feel like you got nothing nothing you've got everything in Jesus and it's all going to be done at some point, and you're going to be with him forever. So you are the trained eye. One other thing that, that these climbers did is that as they're climbing, and the guy on the wall, I don't know that any of us are going to be that guy on the wall, maybe, uh, but the, the guy on the wall, he had a perspective that nobody else had, and, and very few will ever have of that view, Right? And similarly, for all of us, the, the unique situations that you're in, the unique wildernesses that you find yourself in, you also get a unique perspective that very few other people have. You have unique experiences, and so you get this, this, this cool angle, and it's invaluable. And though it's painful to get there and what you're going through, maybe you have something to share now that other people just don't. I used to not be able to relate with people who battle with anxiety and with depression and with sleeplessness and with pain. And so I felt in those days like there was something just lacking in my preaching even. And now I can, I, I've, I've been there and God has given me the perspective. Here's what 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 4 says. It says, God comforts us in all our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. So you get comforted in your season and God gives you that unique perspective that you can then in turn down the road comfort others with. And so perspective is powerful. See God's grace. Uh, take the angle that he has given you and use it for, 
for ministry and not be bummed about it forever and ever and ever. Use it. Use it. Now here's another, another principle that, that the Apostle Paul lived by. And it's this. It's contentment is crucial. This is something he, he lived by. Contentment is crucial. It is, it is crucial for you to enjoy what you have been given, whatever it is that you have been given. Listen to Paul, and here's another one. In Philippians chapter 4, 11 and 12, he says this, For I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low. I know how to abound. In any circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, of abundance and need. And what's the secret? The secret is contentment. And contentment, first and foremost, in Jesus. He's enough. He's all I need. If I lose everything else and I have Jesus, I have everything that I need. The secret is contentment. A few weeks ago, we talked about comparison. We were talking about insecurity and how we tend to compare ourselves to other people, we look at what they have and we long for what we don't have or we long to not have what we have sometimes, whether it's pain or an illness or something. We long to have that. And, and a few weeks ago we said that comparison kills. But let me add to that. Not only does comparison kill, on, on the flip side, contentment is life-giving. If you can allow your heart to be content in Jesus, you, you'll find life in every circumstance, and, and in every circumstance, you can survive and you can thrive because you're, you, like Paul, have learned to be content and enjoy what you've been given. A few years ago, um, some friends of mine and I, five of us, four other guys, uh, decided we were going to go on, uh, on just a big, big mountain hike. We took a few days off of work, and, and it took a long time to go. We were going to the White Mountains in New Hampshire, big hike. And uh, we, it took forever to coordinate our schedules, but we finally, finally got it on the calendar, and we were going to go. And so we trained and did different hikes, and then we went out shopping and got equipment that we need and way too much trail mix, and, and it made our packs twice the weight. And, and we got everything together, and we were ready to, to roll. Uh, meanwhile, when we were just, just about to go, Hurricane Ernesto was brewing up in Florida, and so it was crazy down there. And then it just moved up the coast, and it wasn't a hurricane anymore. It was just a tropical storm, and it was just a big storm. And, and people said, you probably shouldn't go. And we said, well, listen, it took months to align our schedules. We, we just got to go. Well, you know that those mountains, it's the most erratic, one of the most erratic uh, weather patterns in, in the entire world. Yeah, right, it's New Hampshire. No, Josh, take this seriously. And so we get out of our car after parking there, and, and we go to the base of uh, Mount Madison, and, and there's a, a big map. It was a 3D map right there. And you could see the, the range and all the way up to leading up to Mount Washington. And, and then at the bottom, there was a plaque. And it said the names of people who died on the mountain and the dates in which they died. And it was usually the last weekend of August and forward because of freak snowstorms that would show up. And we said, well, it's the last weekend of August, so I think we're good. And we're tough. I don't know. And so we were just a little too cocky, and, and, and we got up there. And as we started hiking, we noticed these guys coming the opposite direction of us with long beards and long hair, mountain men. Now, what that means is these guys are what you would call through hikers. In other words, they, they're hiking the entire Appalachian Trail, hence the long beard. They haven't shaved, and that's kind of a, a badge of honor. I've walked from Georgia all the way up to Maine, or I'm almost to Maine, and they're coming off the mountain. We're like, 
young bucks. We're going up the mountain. Who cares? It's not going to stop us. We can't stop. We got to keep going. And we started hiking and hiking. And the weather of Hurricane Ernesto, remnants of it, just sitting on top of that mountain was absolutely treacherous. And we decided we shouldn't be on the mountain when it was far too late and we couldn't go back down because we'd be stuck in the dark. And we didn't think we were going to make it to the hut on the top of the mountain that we needed to get to. And so we got really, really horrifying. We got into the alpine zone. And uh, we're, we're, I mean, just the, they call them the false peaks. You think you're there and then you're not there because there's another. You get to the top and there's another. And just kept coming. And, and we, the wind was howling so Bad, and we were almost to a crawl. We could barely go on. And, and, and what we were doing, we would literally go 50 yards, huddle up under the kind of a cleft of a rock. That's biblical. And, and so we'd pray. And Lord, please, please, Lord, help us. We were just horrified. And then we'd, we'd go a little bit further, 50 yards or so. And then we would open up our Bible to the Psalms of Ascent when they're climbing the hill. We're just trying to do everything. Lord, please just help us. And then we're doing uh, just pattern. That was the pattern. 50 yards, false peak. We're not there. We've got to keep going. The sun was starting to go down. And, and we were doing this number. And I remember one of the guys goes, get over here. And we thought maybe they found a cabin halfway up the mountain or something. And get over here. And we all come running. And he found some blueberries. <laughs> And you would have thought, one of the guys is six foot seven, and you would have thought, I mean, we were little rabbits, just, I mean, these were, they were not big, lush, you know, chemically injected, they were just these tiny little niblets of, of blueberries, and we're just shoving them in our mouths, we were starving. Now, we could have compared it to the, the beef stew that we were preparing to make at the top of the mountain, but instead, we, we, we were content. We got some blueberries. We're, we think we're going to die, but there's, there's some blueberries here. And, and contentment and, and just enjoying what you have in the moment is so crucial. If you want to make it, you, you've got to enjoy what you have been given. You've got to learn to live with little. You've got to learn to stop looking to the left or to the right and what they have and what you used to have or what you thought you would have and start to be content. Like Paul, I've learned to be brought low. I've learned to, 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 to abound in any circumstance, I've learned the secret of plenty and hunger and abundance and need, and that is contentment. Contentment. We've got to, we've got to work on that. And let me give you one more principle that, that the Apostle Paul lived by that enabled him to smile in the wilderness, and that is this. That is that love is liberating. Love is, is I'm telling you, it is freeing from the fear that some of you are feeling, the pain that you're feeling. Think about the Titanic and Jack and whatever her name was, and they're floating out there and freezing cold, but they were in love and they didn't feel it, right? I don't know. Love is, love is liberating. It lightens the load. Listen to what Paul says in Philippians chapter 2, 3 through 4. He says this. He says, do nothing, Christians do nothing, from rivalry or conceit, But in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. And if you get your eyes off of your pain and off of yourself, you're going to find that this is really going to help you to survive and even to, to thrive in the wilderness. Just a, a little free counseling here. You don't even have to come into my office and make an appointment. Just free counseling here. One of the first things that I'll tell people is this. When they come in with anxiety or depression and they're struggling, one of the first things I'll tell them is this. 
Are you serving anywhere? Are you plugged into the life of the church where you're serving and doing something and giving? Do you have a person that you're investing in? Because when you love other people and, and, and not only look to your own interest, but also to the interest of others, man, it's, it's freeing. Eyes off of pain and eyes on how I can love the way Jesus loved. So a few years ago, I, I got to bring my oldest on his first roller coaster ride. Pretty cool. And uh, we wo- waited in, in line. It was weird flashback. And we're waiting in the line at Six Flags and and we get closer and closer. And I, I got to be honest, I had a few moments where I myself was getting nervous again. And, and I thought, I can't run because that's not good if he's still hanging out in line. And, and, and we get on. And, and this time I'm clicking him in really tight, you know. And, and then all of a sudden, click, 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 click. And I'm looking over at him. And I see the anxiety on his face. And I get to put my arm around him. It's okay, buddy. It's gonna, trust me, it's going to be awesome. We're going to be laughing at the end of this thing. We're going to be smiling at the end. It's going to be amazing. And then we get to the top. And I say, look over there. Do you see that over there? See Springfield over there? And I get to show them the, uh, it was so cool. And then all of a sudden, ah! And you know when you're going down the hill and they snap the picture and they're going to try to entice you into buying it later for like three easy payments of $99.99 or something just for a photo that looks terrible but your kid begged you to get it along with the cotton candy and the stuffed animal Bugs Bunny. And yeah, sorry, I'm ranting right now. Anyhow, that photo, we get through the, the roller coaster and you look at that photo and you know what you see on my face? You don't see bug-eyed, horrified, You see the side of my head because I'm looking at my son and I'm smiling. And I'm telling you, if you will get eyes off of self and you will start to look at other people, you're going to find that love is liberating and your fears become lightened because you're doing exactly what Jesus told you to do. And that is not look to your own interest, but look to the interest of others. When you are, get to start harnessing, harnessing your, your pain and, and your experience and, and now use it to, to help other people and to, to pour into other people and, and serve other people, it changes everything. It changes the game. It changes the wilderness. It doesn't mean that you're not going to be in wildernesses. It doesn't mean that you're not a one right now. But once you start to use that to serve other people, it, it, it changes everything. Would you guys close your eyes for just a minute? I told you, one of the first things I'll, I'll tell people is, are you serving? I know somebody that, that you could probably really pour into when they're struggling and, and get them pouring into somebody else. And then I'll come back in and I'll, I'll check up on them a few weeks later. And I get to snap that mental photo as I oftentimes, nine times out of ten, see that now they're smiling again because they're loving somebody else because that love is, is liberating. That's how he designed it. Yes, we go through some stuff. Yes, it's hard. Yes, it's confusing. It's disorienting. But he wants you to keep looking at other people. Why? Because that's what he did for you. That passage goes on and says, have this attitude in yourself that came from Christ Jesus who considered himself nothing. He took on the nature of a servant and he died. Brutal death, yes, even death on a cross. And maybe some of you today, you need to receive that love first and foremost from Jesus. 
so that then you can share it. So that you can then be liberated. So every single week, I want to call you to give your life to Jesus. If you've never given your life to Jesus and turn from being the master, the Lord of your own life, turn from the, the sin of independence and turn to him. Trust in him and what he's done for you on that cross. That's some of you today. We'd encourage you to come speak to somebody afterwards. We'll help you to to walk with Christ. Or maybe in your own seat as you stand and sing in just a minute, you want to give your life to Jesus. Others of you in this room, you're struggling. And you need some perspective. You need to see the grace of God. You need to see that even in pain, he's good. You need to have your eyes trained to see God's grace. And that's why we do this. That's why the Bible tells us to do this. Come together like this over and over and over again every single week so that we can spur one another on. Sing about him, hear from him in his word. And so I pray that God is just showing you his grace, his beauty. Pray that God is showing you what you have in Jesus so that you can be content in the midst of the chaos. Pray that God is showing you the unique view that you have and how he might want to use it in the future. But even this morning as we sing, God, I pray that that you would allow us to crest for just a moment and just pause for just a moment and come above the craziness and rejoice in you. And so, Father, please fix our eyes on you and allow the things of earth to grow strangely dim in the light of your glory and grace. Do your work in our hearts as we respond to your word. In the name of the Lord Jesus, we pray. Amen.